Hey guys, Jack here. Uh, not a lot of announcements this week. We've got an awesome guest for you, Zach Elwood, a poker tells expert and author, also a great poker player, is here for an interview uh, and a hand. Other than that, not much new to report this week. We've got some stuff coming in the pipeline, including uh, our revamped website uh, that should be up for you guys next week. Uh, so stay tuned for that and enjoy this week's episode. Hey, Zach. Hello, Jack. How you doing, man? I'm doing wonderful. Well, it may have been confusing uh, in the past. You know, we have very similar names, but we've decided to throw a wrench in things. Uh, why don't you introduce the week's guest? This week, we have the pleasure of having another Zach on the podcast. This is Zachary Elwood, uh, reading poker tells on Twitter, uh, famously consulted Amir Lechovot in the World Series of Poker main event. Uh, he is the foremost expert on picking up physical and verbal tells in live poker. How are you doing today, Zach? All right, good. How are you guys doing? Thanks for having me. Of course. Thanks for joining us. So we hear you have a hand, uh, hopefully a hand that maybe you know involves reading some physical poker tells. Sure. And uh, yeah, you want me to get into that? Just go right into it? Yeah. So why don't you give us a you know brief description of like any relevant history you have with villains in the hand uh, and their general playing styles as you know them? Uh, sure. Yeah. So this is a hand that took place at... Uh, Aria in Vegas last summer. Uh, actually, no, I think it was earlier this year. Yeah, earlier this year. Um, so this is a yeah five ten game. I think our stacks are around. Uh, what did I say? A thousand. Yeah, somewhere around there, a little bit more. Um, so the villain in this hand is a thirty year old woman. Uh, she's been p- playing pretty well for the past few hours, as far as I could tell. And uh, one of the better players on the table, you know, in my few hours with her, I thought. Um, so we have about, yeah, 1,100 or so. I can't remember offhand from my notes. Um, so she raises to, um, and she's been, I should say, you know, she's been playing pretty tight, well, uh, aggressive when she needs to be. Uh, okay, so she raises to 35 under the gun plus two. And I call with ace 10 ace 10 of spades behind her, right behind her. And a loose player calls in the small blind. He's been in a lot of pots calling a lot. And the big blind also calls. Cool. Uh, but before we move on, do you have any additional information about this woman or remember anything more? Like when you um, when you say like she's been playing well, does she seem like she's a professional? Seems like she's a reg. Has she been playing on the tighter side? Like, Yeah, I think she's – I mean I would say she – strikes me you know i don't have a lot of details because it's been a while but and i didn't take many notes but I, I would just say like she struck me as a professional level or or like you know aspiring or something um and just you know mostly uh she's in a good amount of hands and and tight aggressive and and you know a few a few spots where she chose some spots well it seemed like and she was definitely capable of of bluffing it seemed i don't really recall any details but she just my overall perception was like she was one of the more uh one of the better players at the table cool and uh so what what exact position did she raise in again and, and where did you call uh she was under the gun plus two and i was right behind her okay so how aggressive was the game pre-flop i think i think for for most game scenarios i imagine that i would do the same as you like not really consider folding i would really consider raising and, and calling that spot but there's definitely some some lineups where i, I would fold just because of uh for sure you know, the frequency of, of three bets uh behind us 
Yeah, that's one thing. It was pretty passive. Like there were, it was a pretty loose game pre-flop and and to a certain extent post-flop too. So that was one of the reasons I called. Like, yeah, usually the and in tougher games, I would definitely fold that. Uh, but I was a, it was a spot. It was a game where there was a lot of uh, pre-flop calling, so you were getting pretty good odds on just calling him like that, even in that position. Mm, all right, that sounds pretty good to me. Uh, so, what was the flop? The flop was ace ten six uh, with two diamonds. So it was yeah, ace of diamonds, ten ten of spades, six of diamonds. Good and, flop. And there's a hundred and yeah, so I got top two. Yeah, uh, and there's a hundred and forty in there. So she bets out preflop raiser bets out a hundred and to hundred and forty, and I call. And then the loose player in the small blind also calls. Now, yeah, you guys want to discuss that because I know, uh, yeah, so, some people would would raise there, and I could see either way. Mm-hmm. I probably wouldn't raise, uh, like you. I think. Well, what do you think the uh, preflop raiser? What do you think her range looks like betting into three people? Uh, do you think she almost always has an ace uh, or a flush draw? Yeah, you know, I thought. Um, yeah, I feel like she's she's good enough where she's got to have something. Like I, I don't think she was just doing this with, you know, without an ace or without a flush draw. And uh, so, and yeah, and part of my reasoning too was trying to get you know trying to get the loose guy involved too was uh, right. part of my reasoning. I feel like I'm not going to get that much out of her unless she improves to be me. Like I feel like she's. One of the reasons I didn't raise was I felt like she was fully capable of folding, uh, you know, some random, you know, random aces, even good aces, possibly, to me. Um, yeah, it, I totally agree. I mean, it's a little bit higher variance because you're letting uh, the blinds in with a pretty good price if they want to draw, you know, with a hand like king queen with a diamond or something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think it's worth the extra variance for additional EV. Uh, both by you know bringing in those hands that have pretty bad equity against our hand, and also I think it just makes it a lot easier for easier for us to raise for value in a way that could potentially get called on later streets. Um, so just to add a, a little bit of counterpoint, I'm not. I think this could really go either way, and I just want to know a little bit about the other players in the hand before kind of saying which which option I like better. How, how aggressive are the are the people in the small blind and big blind? If you remember Zach, like you know when there's a, a a bet and a call here, if either of these players has like a you know a flush draw, are they likely semi bluffing with it? Yeah. Right. Yeah, I think uh, all I really remember is the small blind. I remember he was pretty loose and and loose aggressive too. Like he was capable of just like making big over bets with draws and stuff like that. So that was one reason. Like I was like, well, maybe you know. If he's got a if he's got a draw, maybe he check raises big or something, you know. Uh, so I, I I didn't mind uh, getting him involved, and um, I don't really remember the big blind at all. But yeah, part of my reasoning in this hand was basically the the small blind was capable of, you know, calling and, and betting uh, aggressively and and calling loosely too. Yeah, I think that definitely lends itself towards flatting here, because mm-hmm. then, yeah, um, you'll be able to kind of rip it in and i think the vast majority of the time when the small blind or big blind with only 200 big blinds effectives makes a check raise here uh they're probably not going to be check raise folding and with ace 10 you know you're doing really really well against a loose aggressive players check racing range 
So I think definitely that lends itself towards a call. And if you think she's going to be folding an ace here, then yeah, I think it's definitely definitely good to call. I would say yeah, probably in in most or almost in almost all one two or one three games and most two five games, I think this is like a really good spot to raise. But I think this kind of shows you know how you can't just always take the maximally exploitive line when you're playing at higher stakes against better players because when you when you raise here, uh, it's just really hard to get value from worse besides just like combo draws basically that are happy to get it in. Right. Yeah. And yeah, part of it was also, I felt like my image to her was tight enough where she could easily lay down a decent ace to me, you know? Huh. Mm -hmm. Based on on your Twitter, I would have not expected that. (laughs) What was that? I don't know. I, 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 do you, do you talk a lot at the table? No, I don't. Oh, okay. Yeah. I I mean, I do. I'm capable of it, but it's not my usual MO. You're just, you're, you're quite active on Twitter and, it seems like you like posting things that, you know, you know will possibly offend a portion of your followers. I really appreciate it. Uh, I <laughs> like that that uh, that thing you tweeted out today, Jack, that I sent you, the coexist photo. That was great. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. But yeah, I guess I guess I was just making making some assumptions there. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm pretty, I'm pretty, um, yeah, I'm pretty pretty quiet at the table. I mean, I I do uh, occasionally get more active, but. I'm pretty laid back and in my, you know, and sometimes my, that my playing style on that day specifically to her, to her, I would have, I, I, I was thinking she, she perceived me as pretty tight the way the game had gone so far. And so that was another option, you know, another factor. Were, were you up or around even? I was, I was up. I can't, I can't really recall my notes aren't uh, that good, but yeah, I was up a little bit. Cool. Yeah. Well, all, all these further details, I think lend itself more towards, uh, towards calling so good call <laughs> all right thanks uh do you want me to go on the, to the uh turn yeah so did the blinds fold or oh yeah so yeah she bet 100 i call and the loose guy and the small blind calls also I'll stay. oh cool yeah okay so yeah there's 440 in the pot now the turn is the five is a five of clubs and both players check to me and i bet 250 into 440 and the loose guy folds, the small blind folds, and she calls, the pre-flop raiser calls after a pretty good pause. And, uh, yeah, and see what you guys have to say about that. I definitely could have uh, sized it bigger, but I kind of felt like, and, you know, in, in hindsight, I would have sized it bigger, I mean, even not knowing what she had, but I felt like her, when she checks the turn, like she's got to have a flush draw, so, but that didn't occur to me necessarily at the time. But I feel like that's pretty. I'm pretty confident in that now. You don't think she's checking ace queen? Oh uh, yeah, that's a that's a good question. Yeah, I, I don't I don't really know. But either way, I think I should have sized it sized it bigger. I don't think she's checking ace king or sorry ace queen. If I were in her spot, I probably wouldn't check ace queen. I would be thinking that for sure the small blind and probably you would have you know, raised a hand that was ahead of ace-queen on the flop. Yeah. That's uh, so, yeah, I think if she had a hand as strong as ace-queen, she would bet. So I guess that sort of means... I, I don't think it's that likely she would bet a hand like, you know, ace-nine on the flop into three people. Uh, I think she'd probably choose to play that differently. So, yeah, I, I'm ready to basically say that she's narrowed her range down to draws that she's trying to see a cheap reaver card with. And so against those hands, I think your sizing is appropriate. 
you you could go larger, but I think it's uh it's in it's in the realm of not giving her direct odds, but you know giving her the sense of implied odds that you know will cause her to put in money. Right. I guess she. I mean, I guess she could have. Yeah, she could have ace jack and ace queen and play it similarly. But yeah, I think she's betting ace queen and yeah. Yeah. So if she's <clears throat> betting ace queen, then like Jack said from what you're value targeting from her is almost exclusively draws. There's maybe some combos of ace-queen or ace-jack she plays this way and a few weird combos of a worse ace that she does, but most of the time she won't have those. In the small blind, given that you said that it was a pretty loose aggressive player, I'm guessing when he flat calls pre-flop, like, a lot of his three-bet bluffs are going to have aces in them as well as his three-bets for value. And then I think when he calls the flop on a wet board like this, he's just you know really likely to have draws not have a lot of aces as well. He'll have more aces, I think, than the preflop Razor, but I don't think he'll have many aces either. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I think you're, you're trying to get value from draws, and it's just a question of what you can get away with, you know? Like, in the games that Jack and I are used to, to playing, we would probably size it a little bit larger, mm-hmm. just because exploitably we'll be able to, you know, more money put in bad with these draws. Uh, mm-hmm. But d- you're definitely, you know, uh, assuming you're not going to make horrendous mistakes post-flop and uh, on the river in position, you're you're not gonna you're not giving her, uh, I think the right odds to call with a lot of her draws. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think the sizing is fine. It's just in game what you think you can get away with. I would, I'd say probably a little over three hundred would be my first reaction, but I think it's really really dependent. I haven't really played much five ten, so I think yeah, definitely, yeah, I, uh-huh. yeah. I think a little closer to three hundred would have been ideal, but yeah, me too. And I'll actually amend what I said earlier. I think I definitely think she could have ace jack in this spot. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think ace queen is unlikely to slow down uh, on the turn here, but I think you could be you could plausibly be holding ace queen. Uh, so I think ace jack is more likely to slow down on this turn card. All right, so okay. river action to so the river. Okay, so the river. Wait, wait, wait. D- yeah. uh, what? What? Did both players call? Did just one call when you bet two? Uh, she only called. He he folded in the small blind and she called. Okay, so the pot going into the river is nine hundred and forty. Well, nine thirty-five if you count the rake. Um, the river is the seven of spades, which makes the board uh, ace ten six five seven. Hmm. Uh, so. And then immediately within like a second, she says she she shoves for like whatever it is she has. It's like seven hundred dollars uh, into nine forty. <clears throat> so at that moment, the only hand I can put her on to beat me is nine eight of diamonds. Right. Meaning yeah. she you know had the had the straight and the flush draw on the turn, the gut shot straight, and then she hit the gut shot straight on the river. You know and you know. Behavior-wise, the immediate bet is just so super polarizing, you know? Like, she's either going to be super strong or super weak, right? Like, there's... Because with medium-strength hands, you know, players are going to have to bank. So, like, if she theoretically hit, you know, an ace-seven or something, I don't think she's going to just pile it in, right? And so it was super polarizing. Do you guys want to discuss the, the strategy of it before... Or the approach before I talk about the behavior, or should I just keep going? Well... I actually think it would be valuable to talk about, you know, without thinking about her behavior, what we think we should do, and then, you know, introduce the behavior in the in the context of what 
the strategy would be without a more specific or educated read. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, yeah range-wise, I mean, in terms of what her range looked like on the turn and what it looks like now, uh, she has a lot more bluffs just generally. She might not be betting those like this, or she may not bet those... Uh, you know, she may not shove on the river with all of her missed draws, but she definitely has more of them coming to Torquay than she does strong hands here. One thing that I feel like if she had a combo draw on the turn, like eight, nine of diamonds, I really feel like she would continue to bet. I think you have hands in your range, uh, or both of you guys, you and the small bind, have hands that you're going to be folding. And so I feel like she would want to leverage that unless she feels like you're going to be checking back a lot, uh, which which might be true. So, I think we can sl- very very slightly discount, you know, a hand like eight nine of diamonds from her turn check. But we, you know, she probably has a similar approach with a hand like king queen of diamonds. She's going to be continuing to bet those sometimes. I think she's more likely to give up on the turn with a hand like king queen with one diamond. Uh, you know, those sorts of hands. I think that when she checks the turn and calls here, while Jack, maybe she should be continuing with like a combo draw like that and should be continuing with her, with, you know, some percentage of her uh, just kind of bare diamond draws. I- I'm not sure she necessarily does so in game. Like Zach was saying before the, well, it's just hard to take the timing out of this in live poker, you know, because I, I think from like not, not thinking about the timing, like we have a hot hand that's been underrepresented, uh, I don't think she would sh- shove worse for value a lot, but I think she is capable of doing it sometimes. We, we've played our hand fairly passively, and while she might opt to check call with a hand like a six suited or a seven suited, I definitely do think like a better professional is capable of of shoving there. So mm-hmm. I think from kind of like a a GTO perspective, this is a very clear call. And because we're up against a better player, I don't think, you know, barring any significant behavioral tells like we have here, but barring that, I don't think we could, should be making really exploitative hero falls with the top of a range against, you know, a professional uh, player in these spots. I, I will say uh, fundament- fundamentally not taking the behavior into account. I think, you know, in the, in the, in the moment I did put her, Apart from her behavior, I did I did think it was possible that she had nine eight of diamonds. I think I, I thought she would check. I thought it was possible she would uh, check the turn with it because she struck me as a really careful player. And if she thought there was a very good chance, like both me and or, and or the small blind who was pretty loose, you know, were calling the turn, I could I could totally see her checking that because she struck me as just really cautious. And you know, it's a spot where a lot of people would bet, but uh, you know. She struck me as, as someone who'd been playing very cautiously. Hmm. Okay. Well, then I think that probably means that she's checking a higher percentage of the draws in her range than I would have thought. Uh, that it's still, it's kind of, it's almost irrelevant. I mean, it would be very relevant if we thought that she was, if we had some sort of read that she would always bet or always check a combo draw. But her range, like the composition of her betting range, is pretty much the same, uh, regardless of like the frequency that she's continuing with her draws on the turn. Because uh, I think we can all agree that she's not coming out and shoving with uh, Ace Jack. 
which would like the variable percentage of her range based on how often she's checking draws on the turn. So as long as yeah. she's checking her different types of draws at a similar frequency, then the composition is going to stay the same. I was going to say, yeah. So I, I think I think given that, I think we, we all kind of agree it's it's a call on the river before we introduce this snapshot into the equation, right? Yeah, right. That, that scares the shit out of me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, the snapshot is, is pretty scary. Um, and especially, you know, especially when she's first to act, like you can, you, you'll see a lot of immediate bluffs on the river, but usually it happens when either a, the person is the aggressor in the hand or B they're second to act. And the first person that's checked, you know, you, you know, it's, it's pretty scary when somebody, you know, goes from being the non-aggressor to the aggressor first to act and just snap shoves in that, that, that is a, that's a scary thing. So I'll note it check call my draws and just insta shove when they miss just have that plan in action before the river card comes out when i play against you <laughs> oh, specifically against me yeah Maybe, I, I can't say it'll, it'll work against everybody <laughs> <laughs> certainly not not with my the image i normally have um but yeah i mean what do you what do you guys think you know when somebody just snap shoves first act and i was <laughs> i was actually uh if you hadn't brought this hand, I had a hand for you where someone snapshoved the river, you know, for sort of an overbet, or not sort of an overbet, uh, you know, a fairly sizable overbet. And I, I folded pro- probably my best bluff catcher. So, so I mean, I guess that's what I think. But it was against a, sort of a different player, someone who was a lot more loose passive and definitely not a professional. Right. And, and, don't, and, and don't misunderstand me because... I mean, I think in general, quick, uh, you know, immediate bets skew towards bluffs more than they do uh, value bets. But I think it's very situation dependent, you know. Um, like, for example, if I, had, if I was, if she was second to act and I checked to her and she snapped bet, like, in the same, you know, if we had the same, if I had the same hand, like, I'm for sure calling her, like, because so many people get incentivized to bluff in those spots, right? Um so I think, you know, in general, quick bets, and especially when you factor in, you know, if you've seen somebody make a quick bluff before, that's obviously a huge factor too. Um, and I think in general, quick quick big bets do skew more towards bluffs. But I think that's a good example. This is a good example of, like, how there's so much that's situation dependent and, and um, kind of, you know, player history dependent and order the order of play. And things like that, and I think this is a, a a good example of like how this would be very unlikely to be a bluff just because of the situation. Like it's be pretty unusual for her to just snap decide to shove with a missed flush draw or something, you know. Like she's, right. I feel like she's capable of it. Or you know, I mean, I probably maybe not though. I mean, maybe that's just. I mean, maybe hardly anybody would be capable of that to begin with fundamentally, but to to make that bluff, I mean, but. If she well, was gonna, if she was gonna make it, I think she'd consider it for a few seconds. Well, I have a question, uh, and I'm both curious about the answer and whether you think it's a relevant question. I'm wondering how the turn went in terms terms of timing. Like, did because here's sort of my thought: like, if she were to be bluffing here, she would have, unless she like you know has this play in her arsenal regularly, mm-hmm. uh, which is possible. But if she if she didn't, then she would have had to have sort of planned this. Mm-hmm. So, 
you know, when would she have planned it? Like, did she take a while to check the turn? And when you bet, you know, how, how quickly did the turn happen is basically what I'm wondering. Yeah, she actually took a little while to call the turn, which makes her, you know, to your point, like she could have been planning that at that point uh, if she was going to bluff. Yeah. So, yeah, I actually had it in my note that she took a while to call the turn. So it's, it's a good point. Okay. Well, that, that makes a bluff seem more plausible to me. Right. Makes it more, more possible for sure. But I still think, you know, even, I, I still think even considering that, it's just, uh, I mean, I, I feel like most, when somebody's bluffing, even when they bluff pretty quickly, I feel like they take a few seconds, you know, like betting quickly is also kind of suspicious. You know, that's another reason I think like a really, like a unusually quick bet will usually, you know, in this situation, especially, I feel like the, the the super quick bets, like a second on the river, will will tend to be um, strong hands, just because it's so suspicious seeming. It's almost yeah. like if she was going to bluff quickly, like which is totally possible, uh, she would take like you know a few seconds, so it seems more normal. But like the fact that it's so unusually quick, I feel like makes it a little bit more. This is like one of these things where it's like there's so many factors, obviously. Uh, but I feel like it was so quick. It was so unusually quick. Like that's one of the reasons I wrote it down. It was just so unusually quick, like a second, you know, after she made this quick bet, did you observe anything, you know, about her behavior or how she was, I assume you, you took a while to think about this decision. So she probably had to do something while you were tanking. Yeah. Uh, it took a while for me to make the fold I eventually folded but yeah uh I didn't notice anything else on her I didn't I didn't have any other reads she was she was pretty stoic and locked down and seemed pretty pretty stoic so okay yeah I think I would be pretty tempted to fold here too knowing myself uh I would probably decide to call since you know I have game theory on my side and I'd like to call probably a leak I mean, it's a pretty hard fold. I mean, I did not like making it, but I kind of like. I mean, I mean, basically put her on, putting her on one hand, and like I, you know, and I didn't, I didn't know her that well either. It's like I had a read that she was a decent player, but for all I knew, she could spaz with a random ace or something. You know, uh, I, it was a hard, it was a very hard fold. I'm not saying uh, it's even necessarily right, even with all the stuff we talked about, but it was, it was a case where like just. I couldn't see her just random, just based on my perception of her. I just couldn't see her, you know, spewing with a bluff or a random, you know, any any other hand. And so I made the fold. It was really tough, though. So, so Zach, I, I feel like I probably read this in your one of your books. Generally, like forgetting this information specifically, would you say at like the five ten level? a snap shove is just going to be really unbalanced towards value hands or is it more just that it's a really polarizing spot? I think it's just, I mean, the main thing to remember is that I think it's just really polarizing and, and a lot of the, you know, your reads of the situation, whether it's strong or weak, if you have reads, it'll depend on, you know, your perception of the player, how they've played in past spots. Like, especially if you've seen them, obviously if you've seen them bet quickly before, that's huge. And when they did it and, uh, you know, what, you know, the things we talked about, like, are they first to act, second to act? Because, I mean, like, for example, I played in the, uh, playing a 510 game pretty regularly. I haven't played in it in a while, but I used to play it, you know, frequently in town here. And there, there's a player who would, you know, was fully capable of making snap shoves on the river, uh, immediate snap shoves when somebody checked to him. 
that's a totally different situation than somebody who, you know, goes from being the non-aggressive, the caller on, on the turn and then the first act player on the river, you know, stuff like those considerations. It's like right. uh, thinking about those considerations and ideally you, you've had, you've seen them act, uh, you know, had a sense of their bedtiming in the past. Um, so, yeah. so I have a question about what you mean by this is polarizing. Uh, do you mean that it's, it's polarizing in that she has a, this means she has a polarized range or that right. this, or that this means that, you know, for, for an individual, it's polarizing in the sense that one individual might always really be bluffing here, but another individual oh. might always be. Um, no, I, yeah, I know what you mean. Um, I, yeah, I had to say, I, I need to say, uh, it's a, it means indicating in general, in general, a immediate bet will indicate a polarized range of hands. Like she's either very strong or very weak because, uh, right. okay. because you know, with medium strength hands, people usually have to think, and we're talking about big bets here, not about like, you know, smaller, you know, normal flop bets or whatever. Um, uh, we're talking about big bets and just because with medium strength hands, you know, most players have to, you know, actually think about, what they want to do with those medium strength pants. Um, and you know, it's also, it also does tell you, you know, because, uh, because in, in a lot of situations, because weak hands are more prevalent than strong hands it, in a lot of, in some situations it can make you more confident. Somebody's bluffing just because it's like, okay, well, if I know that they're not betting these medium strength two pair hands or something, uh, and I know that they're fully capable a firing bluffs and they only have a few value hands that can make you more comfortable thinking it's a bluff. Uh, I mean, I don't, I don't think this was the case in this hand for reasons I discussed that she was acting first, but I, right. in, in more so, normal situations, I think, you know, that can be a factor in, in skewing it more towards a, a bluff. Yeah. Would, so would you say that at like a lower stakes level though, the majority of the time it's going to be unbalanced towards value hands. I mean, I'm only asking just because, you know, my experience has been just almost exclusively when these hands get to showdowns at value hands. Yeah. Yeah. Any bet at the lower stakes is skewed towards value. (laughs) Okay. Right. Right. It's kind of like like the fundamental, like we're we're talking, yeah, you're talking about the fundamental, like, you know, the the first thing you have to consider is, is is this player even capable of a bluff? And, you know, if, if they're not, which, you know, if many players at the lower stakes are not capable of big bluffs at all. So in those cases, you know, the polarization of an immediate bet is just going to be like, okay, well now they've, you know, they're huge, obviously. Um, but if you've got, you know, if you've got players who, you know, are capable, fully capable of firing bluffs, then you can start taking in, you know, start being like, well, you know, what's, what, what are they snap betting with here? Does it start to become more likely it's a bluff based on how the hand went down? And, you know, these are, these are not, obviously these are, complicated situations and even you know even with the best reads a lot of times you're just like oh i'm slightly more it's slightly more likely to be a bluff i think you know uh, yeah it's always it's always complex it's never really easy in my opinion well some with some people too but <laughs> yeah definitely. If, you, if, you, if you have some if you have some good uh you know past reads on them or whatever it can, it can be easy but usually not when you're talking about it in a vacuum yeah so this is this is still you know not to completely overtalk this hand to death, but even despite this, you know, the discussion of what the snap shove means, given the fact that she did like think a while on the turn and that this player is capable of bluffing, like it's not out of the realm of possibility that she decided like, okay, I have, you know, 
king queen with the queen of diamonds and if a you know the the lower straight or a di- or a flush draw comes in i'm going to shove like that's definitely something a, the player as you described i'd imagine would be capable of and then it's just a question of like how much does this tell you know alter what our calling range is because i i still think we just given how this player is a, a seems like a decent professional at 510 we need to have a calling range and if we're not calling with ace 10 suited i feel like even with the tell it's it's just kind of too exploitable of a fold yeah and you could you could totally be right um because it's definitely definitely an exploitable exploitable fold i mean one of the reasons too is that i you know i thought she was decent and, and i saw her um make some good you know, aggressive moves, but at the same time, I hadn't seen her fire a big river bet. Like I hadn't, um, I hadn't seen her been in, be in in a similar situation the whole time I played with her. Uh, so that was part of it too. Like she struck me as a bit cautious for big bets. You know, yeah, um, I think so that was that was part of it too. I think one interesting thing here is like this is kind of a very specific card to plan for if you're not holding eight nine. Like if you're holding you know, King Jack of Diamonds. I don't know that you're necessarily your first thought is like, well, you know, if the seven of spades comes in, like I have to like immediately bluff that card. Uh, I think there's something, you know, to the fact that if you're holding eight, nine, uh, you're a lot more likely to identify that card or, or you wouldn't be as likely to identify that card as something to immediately bluff if you weren't holding 8-9. And obviously, if you were holding 8-9, it wouldn't be a bluff. Of course. Of course. At this, But again, we're talking about the five ten level, someone who seems like a professional. So I think, you know, she is probably good enough to, to understand, like, which card she can bluff at and, like, you know, what her, what her bluffing candidates are on the turn. Uh, if she decided to check-raise her barrel... And then opting to maybe take this non-standard line and turn them into bluffs, um, yeah, it's 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 tough. There, there's just there's so many factors I think weighing itself towards having a you know m- making this a call. We're also we're getting decent odds. Like you only have to be right here thirty percent of the time for this to be profitable. Like she's she's betting under under the pot, and we just have one of the strongest hands in our range. Like I could definitely see an argument and for like substantially making our calling range smaller here than what it would be without the snap shove. I think like it'd be crazy not to. And then it's just a question of how, how much we shorten our calling range. Uh, but I think to shorten it enough that this top two that we played this way comes out of it, I think is just uh, way too ambitious against like a good player at five ten. But but maybe completely standard at like two five or one two, you know. Uh, do you think um, Do you think it's a factor that I mean, it's kind of like what is she representing too? It's like just from a fundamental perspective, it's like I mean, because I mean, without the behavior, I'm calling her with a pretty wide range, just because she's only seem seemingly representing you know one hand. Um, yeah, so that's kind of like. Mm-hmm. But if she if she's not representing much, like would she really do that if she wasn't representing much? It's right. Yeah, she's also like again it, important here. It's not like you know it made sense for her. I think she literally only has that one combo in, in her range, like you said. Like she only has the nine eight of diamonds. So 
yeah, it's it's hard to put someone on on an exact hand so much of the time that it becomes correct to to fold getting these odds. Yeah, it's. I mean, yeah, I think a big part of it is like just that she's representing so little is 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 a big part of it. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, and there's there's so many like little factors involved. Like, yeah, I mean, and I'm not, yeah. I'm not saying it's right. It's more like all these things like barely add up to me folding and not feeling good about it. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean. I don't think you can I I think calling you can't really call calling like a mistake but I think right. folding could be genius. So or, and I let me just elaborate on something you're you're saying that I think is really perceptive. So like we're sort of crafting the story of like who is this villain? And I think the villain who the villain who bets this spot for value is not like really the same villain who like snap you know, bluffs here. The villain who, I feel like the villain who thinks through the fact that she's only representing one hand, uh, isn't the villain who, yeah, who decides to snap bluff here. And the, uh, so, so could she really be, could she really be balanced in this spot? Right. And, 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 and to your kind of related to what you were saying, the villain that decides to snap bluff on the river, if if she were like that, she would probably fire the turn. That's definitely true. Yeah, yeah. I think that that lends itself towards towards folding. But again, she only needs to have like one bluffing combo for this to be a slam dunk call. If we think she's only doing this like with a nine eight of diamonds at this speed, so like if she if she plays the nine eight of diamonds every time this way, and then like a really small percent of the time plays her other like missed draws that she checked called with this way you know slam dunk call right that like so if she if she if she's thinking ahead enough to to do that yeah like a super small percentage of the time you know just enough so that we can give her like you know we don't even need to give her a full combo for it to be the call you know like even if she's doing it with two-thirds of like all maybe something like 20 something of her missed draws, you know, like two thirds of one of those combos. Yeah. That's pretty sick. It'd be a pretty sick move on her part. I mean, yeah, I, gonna, I don't know how many people are. Uh, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I'm going to snap, flip a coin in my head and maybe bluff King queen of diamonds. <laughs> no, no, I, I, I don't, I don't think that's happening. I just mean like of all the time she does this with the information you have, is she thinking this plan to snap bluff like 5% of the time? At all, yeah. It's, yeah. That's because, what you're saying, yeah. Is she yeah. at all capable of it, yeah. And, you know, my, my, general, my general feeling is that, like, I think, Zach, I assume that you, you know, started playing 1-2 and then played 2-5 before you started playing 5-10 regularly, right? Oh, yeah. So, like, you know, inst- like our instincts as, like, players that have, like, moved up and gotten better is to just like fold when facing confidence and aggression because like that's like uh, yeah that's a very very winning strategy at one two it's a fairly <laughs> winning strategy at two five and it's you know sometimes can be somewhat winning at five ten mm-hmm. um so triggers my folding reflex <laughs> yeah but it's just like there just has to be so many things that come together such a high percentage of the time to not right. be getting just like really owned here you know yeah. Because again, like if she, if she ten percent of the time decides to like check call certain bluffs, uh, certain draws 
and have the plan of snapshotting them when they miss. Like we're making an egregious mistake here, you know. Like, right. She has to just be not capable of it at all, and then, uh, you know, just kind of spaz shove, yeah, make a mistake, two pair or some random, yeah, yeah, or whatever. Yeah, I mean, I will say also, you know, uh, I showed this hand. I shared this with two high stakes pros who play higher than I do, and they both were like, "It should be a, it should be a call." But then when I pointed out, you know, some of the factors we were talking about, they're like, "Ah, oh, yeah, it could go either way." So yeah. it, it was kind of like I mean maybe it's was, I should have put I should have pulled out a coin and flipped it and then put <laughs> cod based on that I don't know yeah I mean you're you're making really good points and I you know I I can't defend it all that much um, it was more oh I think there there also maybe was some uh, based on uh, some some factors based on her maybe my perceptions that she because she was a woman like I you know some some thoughts that maybe she was tighter than a man would be, you know, maybe there's some, some of those thoughts too. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of my internal, uh, stereotypes, uh, because I, I, I think, I don't think I'd be folding. Uh, so it was probably some of those factors too. My, my guess, again, you've played more five ten with me than me, but I think that female pros at five ten are probably likely to get away with way more bluffs and be way more aggressive than the average male yeah, professional, I, I, for what it's worth. I, I think I think you're right, but it, you know, part of it was like I hadn't seen her in the time I played with her be that aggressive. So it was, you know, if I had seen her even make one big bluff, then it would have been a different story. But um, you know, so there's yeah, there's a lot of stuff running through my mind. But. <clears throat> All right, so I think our conclusion is that calling is probably correct, but like. Like I said earlier, I think folding could be genius. It could also be really dumb. Uh, it's genius when you're right. Yeah. Well, d- not, not to be results oriented. Were you right? Well, I think I was because I after the hand that you know I was like, well, I'm only going to be you know in this game um, a little bit longer, and you probably will never see me again. So if when I leave or when you leave, can you tell me what you had? And, and she said sure. And then when I packed up to leave i asked her and she said she had night eight of diamonds so you know if we believe her and i did believe her for what it's worth (laughs) but i I didn't think she would lie to me like when she believed that we weren't going to see each other again so yeah i think most people are are likely to be pretty honest in those types of spots yeah i I didn't think she would lie to me in that spot but you know she could (laughs) be pretty awesome if she did (laughs) (laughs) i I definitely lie to people pretty regularly in those spots, but I, I, I wouldn't like take the extra step of being like, I'll tell you exactly the thing later. That. Yeah, I wouldn't lie. That's like, pretty I, elaborate to lie about. Kind exactly. of waste of time. If she, if she had volunteered it, I wouldn't have. Yeah, but the fact that, you know, yeah, she. And, and the fact that she, like, na- instead of saying, a, you know, a random hand, she named the one specific hand, like, you know. Yeah. I mean, she, there's she a, didn't there's, say she had aces. Yeah. Yeah, she could have said, you know, maybe she. Could have said something else. Um, she was lying. Yeah, that'd be funny though if she if she like somehow had like a set, and you're like, oh, I guess it was a good fold. Not what I thought though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that would be uh, that would be weird. But yeah, you know, it, I agree with you guys. Like, definitely calling would is would would be fine and probably right technically, and not saying <laughs> my, my 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 reads were perfect. That'd be a weird turn play, but awesome river play if she was holding aces. Yeah, because I mean, yeah, I mean, because I'm <laughs> usually calling there with so many hands, so it'd be pretty sick. 
Yeah. Because, I mean, one thing we didn't mention is, like, you know, just sort of based on her range, like, if you're going to be calling with ace-10, like, you're, you're probably also calling with, like, ace-queen. I mean, there's just not a huge difference here between... Yeah, there's really not, yeah. ...calling with any of your sets, uh, your two pairs, uh, of which you have a number, and your ace-queen, potentially even your ace-jack. Although, I don't, I'm not sure you would be turning around and betting ace-jack on the turn, but you might. Uh, I... I just think there's there's a small difference just because when you when you take away the the super polarizing bet like I think the the two the worst two pairs can be in her range sometime. But obviously yeah, when you add in the bet I think it's very unlikely. No, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, when you okay. add in the bet, yeah. yeah, there's really not a big like if we're saying that she's that polarized uh then it doesn't really matter. Yeah. Unless we want to just, you know, be really hard ass GTO and just call with like the minimum uh, calling range so that she can't, you know, bluff us relentlessly. You know, we we could call with a de- minimum defend frequency. That's the term. I I was blanking the term, but that would be silly, in my opinion. All right, I think we've discussed this hand uh, as much as we're going to be able to. That's an interesting spot. I, yeah, yeah it's kind of gross. <laughs> yeah, it's it's totally gross. It's totally gross. It's just like. Back to back, like extreme emotions, like yes, the seven shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. For, for what it's worth, uh, I don't know, Jack, if you think this works to put in one podcast, but I, I'd be curious to think what Zach thinks if you just kind of give him a quick rundown of that hand you told me about. Uh, okay. So, yeah. I'll just sort of give you the hand, and we'll get right to the river, because sure. uh, I think. And that, I mean, you're welcome to weigh in on anything before then, but uh, I think it's pretty easy up until the river. So this is against... So I was playing at the Jack Casino in Cleveland during the World Series. Uh, I'm a Cubs fan, but obviously we were in Cleveland. So it was a very Indians-supporting crowd. And so this was like the only 2-5 game in the room. And the main villain in this hand was a guy who was a big Indian supporter, not someone I normally see at the 2-5 game. Seemed like very sort of friendly recreational player. Uh, very loose passive. Would definitely semi-bluff. I've seen him semi-bluff before in this session. So in terms of like the dynamic at the table, I'm sort of shooting the shit with this one guy who's out of town, who's also a Cubs fan, uh, and the Cubs are winning. And so the, the mood at the table has gone from like very friendly before the game to I think this guy is a little bit upset that the Indians are losing and we're having such a good time. Uh, I'm also doing fairly well. Like uh, I'm the big stack at the table by like a pretty wide margin. Uh, so he and I are sitting a- about a thousand effective. He straddles as he always does. Uh, I have Queens on the button and he hasn't really folded to any of my, uh, I've been, I've been raising his straddle a lot on the button, you know, uh, so I have black queens and I make it 65, which I think is like the largest sizing I can get away with. And it folds to him. There were no limps. He calls. We see a flop, 10 of clubs, 9 of clubs, 6 of spades. Let me let me double check that. Yeah, 10 of clubs, 9 of clubs, 6 of spades. So 140 in the pot, uh, minus rake. He checks. I bet 85. He raises to 200. I call. The turn is the king of clubs, 540 in the pot. 
checks through. And the river is the jack of diamonds. And he instantly goes all in for 750. So I, the flush draw came in on the turn and I turn or I rivered a straight. Um, Oh yeah. And you're also, you're holding the queen. I'm holding the queen of clubs. Yeah. And I'm, I'm blocking Queens. It's very hard for him to have, I don't see how he could really ever hold ace queen here. Uh, Right. Yeah. And so what so what's the overbet exactly, Jack? He's shoving what into seven hundred fifty into five hundred and forty. So he's either got the clubs or not. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, hmm. What uh how quickly did he shove? Did he say anything? Any physical or verbal things for our expert to, to analyze here? It didn't take very long at all. If anything, it was a couple of seconds. Uh and he's, he verbalized all in, and he pushed all of his chips uh, over the line. So uh, you said he was... <clears throat> he, he, he was displaying signs of, of tilt. Yeah, he was first to act. Yeah, so, so he, he had check-raised the flop. Check-raised the, the, the flop, yeah. Mm-hmm. Then he checked the king turn, right? I mean, I... Yeah, I don't, I don't have any strong... Uh, things to say about this one but i mean like you guys were saying like you know most most big bets in these you know in these games this was uh you said this was two five or was it five ten two five yeah that's what i thought two five yeah i mean i think i mean one thing that i often think in these situations is when somebody makes a much bigger bet than a bluff needs to be then i'm it's usually going to be value because it's like in a spot like this where the pot's like what five forty or something, um, right? Right. It's like he could totally make a very good bluff with you know four hundred, five hundred. Why is he going to bet seven fifty? Uh, and those, and that that kind of factor, like so many times when you ask yourself like, why are they sizing it that big? It's usually going to be because they hope to get called. Yeah, that's, yeah. That, it's not a you know I'm not saying that's super strong, but I, I, a lot of times that'll. If I'm if I'm if I'm on the border between calling and folding, I'll uh, lean towards folding. Yeah, I, yeah. I mean, I folded. So last last thing on this hand. Uh, oh, I was going to say I was going to say one more thing. Unless unless you had something. Oh, go ahead. To, I didn't know if you were going to. I was going to say I, it's it seems like something like totally he could easily do with a like a straight flush draw on the flop, and then you know hits it on the turn and checks. I, I could totally imagine a random person playing something like, you know, playing like that with a open-ended flush draw or something. Yeah. Open-ended straight flush draw. The, his only combo that would be... Oh, yeah, because you have the queen of clubs. seven suited. Yeah. Or, sorry, jack eight suited. Right, because um, you have the queen of clubs, right. But that's uh, possible. And, yeah, the thing that made me fold was that there's... He just doesn't have very many natural bluffs uh, on this river. So... You know, while I think he is tilted and would would be likely to bluff, maybe not for the sizing, but likely to bluff, you know, if he had hands that missed, uh, his only bluffs are like sort of steam raises on the on the flop that just I gave up on the turn, and then once I checked back, decided, you know, actually I'm going to go for it, and I just don't have confidence that he's doing that. Right. Right, so, kind of like an unusual, yeah, unusual line usually 
equals relaxation or something, or, you know, being more, seems, yeah, it seems like most people are going to fire the, uh, fire the turn. If they're willing to do that on the river, they at least put a stab out or something on the turn. But, yeah. I don't know. Right. All right. So did you, did he, did you get to see it or no? Well, I asked him about it. I asked him about it like at the table. Cause, uh, he still, he still seems sort of upset. So I was, you know, this is a little cruel of me, but I was kind of trying to, Oh, there's actually one other detail that I forgot to mention. Uh, hold on. I have it written down, so let me look at specifically what it was. But while I'm looking this up, I did ask him. Uh, he, t- he told me he had a straight, which I, don't, I actually don't believe. It's possible, but I'm blocking it pretty hard, and I, I think he might lie if, he, if I folded like, to his flush. I can, oh. see, him. I can see him playing uh, you know, Jack Queen like that. But yeah, I mean, yeah, it's yeah. just it's hard for him to. There is not much Jack Queen in the first place, so right because you got two. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm just saying, I could, I could see it, but yeah, I could see it too. Uh, but I could also see him lying to me. Sure. Okay. Especially, especially if he's upset. Oh right. Yeah. There's one other detail. So this <laughs> this actually makes me think he didn't have a a straight. So, oh, right. So there was one pot. I don't remember the details, but uh, we were heads up and I was out of position with this guy and it went check bet call twice. So he bet into me twice and then he checked back the river with a second nut flush on a three flush board. Oh, <laughs> yeah. So, so I don't think he has, I think it's unlikely he has a queen there. Yeah, him telling you. And, I, and I also, but I, but I taunted him about it. <laughs> did. Yeah, one other thing that one other thing that factored in the hand was, uh, I wouldn't, I don't think, I think taunt's a little bit of a strong word, but I was definitely mildly antagonizing him about making such a tight check back. It was sort of combined with some, you know, sports fan competitive spirit, uh, with my team currently beating him. It's, I, I felt like the bigger man, so I felt like I could take that certain fleet. <laughs> uh, so that could potentially contribute to the likelihood of this being just like a steam right. shove. But I, I still don't think it's likely. Uh, this this didn't seem like a guy who was necessarily like indifferent to the possibility of bluffing off seven hundred fifty dollars. So yeah, I think if he uh, if he's checking back the second up flush, it's it's a big change to go from that to you know yeah. over bet bluffing the river yeah uh yeah for sure yeah. all right so that's you know we agree that <laughs> most two five players are not going to be two five players who have shown like very tight tendencies are not likely to substantially change their strategy just based on a timing tell uh that is unsubstantiated by other occasions all right. So, Zach, how can people learn more about how to factor in <clears throat> verbal and physical tells into their, their own poker game? Well, obviously they can play a lot, but if they wanted to um, read my stuff, that'd be cool with me. Uh, so I've got a, I've got a few books, uh, Reading Poker Tells and Verbal Poker Tells, and I uh, have some videos, too, online, a video series. 
And that's, that's stuff that reading pokertells.com and reading pokertells.video. So and I'll, Oh, sorry. I was just going to say, I'm also on Twitter too. Uh, at, at a, a poker player is my handle on Twitter. A poker player. I'm going to paraphrase a little bit for you. If you don't want to waste thousands of dollars learning through, you know, experience, which comes very, very slowly at the poker table, uh, get these books ASAP. Thank you. I couldn't, that was better than I could have put it. Well, you, you had to, you know, put up the sort of generational pretense of, of modesty that we all expect from everybody. So, yeah, I had, to, I had to signal that I was modest by giving a disclaimer to begin. And, of course. But, you know, yeah. we expect nothing less from our guests and then we, you know, we like to sort of, you know, upstage them with our uh, gregariousness. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate it.